0: everyone. Welcome to The New Media Show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenley, and we have Mr. Dan Franks in the house, too. Welcome, everybody.
1: Hey, it's great Hello. to be here. Yeah. yeah, good to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: So, Dan, uh, you've been busy, yeah? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think this is now like an actual, uh, annual tradition, too. I think like every year before podcast movement, I've I've hopped on with you guys, yeah. Um, at varying uh you know spaces away from the event but yeah it's a busy time of year for sure
0: yeah we've uh we've obviously been busy too i think we've got everything ready i think we've got our new banners we've got our new pull-ups we've got our our top secret stuff that we're gonna do for the second half of the booth i i I don't know i'm ready how about you rob are you ready at to um well
2: we're getting there (laughs) (laughs) But you know, there's going to be eight people there from from the company, so eight we're going to be there in
0: force. Oh my yeah. god, I'm only coming with four, so I'm like, uh, we'll we'll see. And what, what's the what's the official? Where are you guys at numbers wise, Dan?
1: Yeah, we're trending right towards that three thousand that oh. we uh, was kind of our big audacious goal. So last year it was uh, right around the twenty five hundred number. So to keep it round, we set the goal right at 3000. And, um, in terms of registrations, I think we'll, we'll definitely be getting there. um, bodies in the space who knows different, different locations and times of the year cause different, uh, attrition rates of people who register and don't make it. But, um, yeah, we're this year. We also, um, we, we let people transfer tickets a little closer to the event. Our newer platform is a little easier to, to do name changes and stuff. So I think that'll cause more, you know, people to have, Changed names on the tickets or sold their tickets versus just let them go unused. So yeah, most right. of that three
0: thousand. Well, that's awesome, three thousand. And what was last year?
1: Uh, right around twenty five hundred. So okay, pretty, pretty healthy growth.
0: Yeah, so healthy growth. I didn't. Yeah, I thought I didn't know it was twenty five hundred last year. I thought it was around two thousand. So twenty five hundred last year. Okay. Well, um, you're outgrowing every space you're going to.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, um, you know, as they, they would call it, first world problems, first world event problems, um, you know, growing so big that it's harder to find spaces. But that really is, uh, you know, we'll, we'll announce soon where 2020 is. But 2021, I'll, you know, quite honestly say we're, we're not sure yet. Normally, this time of year, we would have had something locked in. But the uh, the options are definitely going down. And, you know, I think we've talked about this for several years on this show now that mm-hmm. we just don't have a desire to move into Convention centers or that type right. of environment. So you know when you're crossing out the type of venue that most events our size are held in, and saying like we don't want to be held in those, right. um, we're starting to restrict ourselves more and more. But um, you know we'll we'll hold on to that fight for as long as we can for sure.
0: So I thought you announced where you were going 2020.
1: Oh, we told you, I told you guys, you guys oh, we just have oh. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: Okay. Um, so I, I'm, I'll keep quiet then. I I don't think I talked about it publicly, but I, okay, I know where you guys are going 2020. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so. it'll be good. Um,
1: but yeah, you know, and, and we've, you know, Rob, uh, you and I, I think one of the last times we ran into each other was at PodCon, which was a, a cool event, but it was at the convention center and that, you know, to us kind of reinforced that feeling of, um, You know, even if you have a big event, do you really want to be in the corner of this giant convention center? I mean, it's just, and, and the answer is no for us at least right now.
0: So if you think about Vegas, you know, they have different venues like the Sands or the Mirage, but still, it's you're you're a mile from your hotel room. You know, so. Yeah, I
1: participated in an event in, uh, in May that was at, uh, at Caesars and it was a big convention. It was a professional wrestling fan convention actually that had a podcast component. Um, and that's a giant convention space and definitely could hold us, but you know, you, it takes 10 minutes to get from the entrance of the casino through the casino, through all the restaurants, um, three sets of escalators. Uh, it's just, it's just a different experience. And, um, You know, there's all kinds of labor unions and everything else that that becomes pretty cost prohibitive in in certain cities as well. So, you know, a city like Vegas, that could be a cool option. It's really, um, you know, tough to make work financially.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, in New York City and the places like that, oh, my goodness, they just, uh, whoo, they've really, uh, they really hammer you, the unions do. So I, I think it's both coast and Vegas, so. It's just, you can't do anything. You can't even put a piece of paper on the wall without a union person doing it.
2: So Dan, um, what, what kind of changes should we see at the event this year? I know each, each year you kind of learn from the prior year and the prior year, and you make, make some evolutionary changes to the event. I mean, what are some of the big things that uh, we should see a little different this year or, or is there going to be anything significantly different?
1: Yeah, there will be. And, and, you know, at this point being our sixth year, I think hopefully we you know, every year we've kind of made, started making smaller and smaller tweaks that, that makes it, you know, kind of refined from what it was mm-hmm. the year before. Um, so every year we, you know, take that feedback and, and we get feedback from both of you guys and from everyone else that attends and okay. just try to, you know, tweak things. Yeah, we've gotten to the point where I don't think we, we need the overhaul, but it's trying to refine things. Um, it's so like a little thing. Well, not, li- not little things, but like what might seem little to some people, uh, extending the expo hall back out to the full through all three days instead of two mm-hmm. days. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that we we experimented last year to try to kind of, um, you know, respect people's time, so to speak. But then we heard so many people wanted to experience the Expo Hall all three days. Mm-hmm. Um, we've gone back to that. So little things like that, um, as well as big things, like from the content standpoint, Rob, I mentioned uh, PodCon that you and I were at. And, mm-hmm. you know, Todd, your team was there, too. Um, and we just saw how how hungry that audio fiction community was to um, just be together and get together. Um, and what we noticed there was even though that was really uh, a fan event, uh, some of the most popular sessions that took place were the educational, the, the few educational sessions they had. So this year we have a full track that's dedicated to audio fiction. So, you know, that's the first time that we've really dipped our toes in the water of a dedicated track being dedicated to a specific genre. Mm-hmm. Um, typically it's more, um, I guess what you would call skill based. So, you know, uh, teaching marketing skills or teaching monetization, you know, skills and learning and all of that. Um, but this is the first year where something that's a little more, you know, focused on the genre of the content has been given a dedicated track. Um, and that, that audio fiction track is something that's going all three days and it's, we think it's going to be a really popular one.
0: Have you gotten a sense of how many storytellers are coming
1: uh, it, it's hard to tell. Uh, well, it's, it's, you know, the, the attendance of those sessions will really be the, the, um, you know, kind of tell us, tell us what we need to know. Um, but we, what we think is going to be cool is there, there will be, um, inevitably some cross pollination going on. So people that maybe ne- aren't necessarily in the audio fiction space, but they're interested in the, t- the, the topic about, you know, how to s- use music in your podcast maybe learn how they're doing it on the audio fiction side, but figure out how you can layer that into your non uh, fiction podcast. So that kind of thing. Um, so I think there's a lot of skills that they're going to be teaching in those classes that, um, You know, we'll we'll
0: kind of cross over to non-audio fiction type uh, podcasters. Speaking of music, we were supposed to have a big announcement this week. And we got an email from uh, one of our friends and the big corporate wheels move slowly. And so sometime next week is the announcement. So, yeah,
1: I feel like the the wheels are moving slowly towards podcast movement. I'll just say that there's um, you know I don't know if that's where, where the announcement's going to be made or, or just unveiled or just kind of first time publicly presented, but uh, yeah, that's something that we're uh, we're aware of and we're excited about
0: as well. Yeah, so Dan, how big, Of course, I've been saying this this announcement is big. how where, where do you where do you put this on the Richter scale on one to ten?
1: Uh, well, I mean, it's going to answer the question that's asked about 12 times a week in each Facebook group. I think it's going it's to give people a much, a much more firm answer that, uh, than they've ever been able to have before. So um, from that standpoint, I think it's something that a lot of people have been waiting for.
0: <laughs> so you won't give a Richter scale level. Um, no, no, I, I don't live on the uh, anywhere near like the any of the fault lines or the earthquakes, so I, I hate so, to just. So um, is this an F five tornado yeah, event? Yeah, okay, yeah. If you were going to talk about tornadoes, I would definitely. Uh, then I can get a little closer to that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's an F five tornado event. I really, really do.
2: <laughs> well, it could could spark a whole other renewal of a of a very um, popular genre. Oh, I, I think what it's going to
0: completely transform it. So. <laughs> And uh boy, we're being so bad and and I know the details, so I just can't really go very much deeper. I I don't know how much deeper you guys how much you guys know, but
2: Yeah, Yeah, Todd we've done that twice now on the show. That's right, we've teased them twice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh wants to hear
2: they want to hear about
1: all our inside information that we're not allowed to talk about. Yeah.
0: So uh Dan on your uh I know every year you get six, seven hundred submissions for sessions. How many did you get this year?
1: Uh, I think it was right around 800. So, um, yeah, 800. And, uh, we, we added another dozen or so like session slots by adding that additional uh, track for audio fiction. So, um, not enough to make up for an extra hundred session submissions. Um, but yeah, we talk about it every year. It's the, what I consider the least fun part of, of organizing the event is, um, taking public speaking submissions and then trying to narrow those 800 down to, uh, you know, 80 or so, um, people that we can actually pick to speak or or to lead a panel at podcast movement. So it's, it's just a, it's a really tough job just because, um, you know, most of those people are people we, we either know personally, or we've done business with, uh, you know, on a podcast movement level, uh, or that we just have encountered in the, in the podcast community, the podcast group, people we've traded emails for years with, um, and, and a lot of those people we have to say no to. Uh, and it's, you know, kind of an embarrassment of riches because there's, you know, out of those 800, probably 600 of those sessions would be really great. Right. Um, but there's mm. just not a nobody wants an event that has 600 sessions going on um, yeah. for a variety of reasons. So, um, you know, yeah, that's that's uh, not a fun process. But at the same time, speaking of the embarrassment of riches, that's where we get really cool, unique, interesting uh concepts for the sessions every year. So that's one of the ways that we are best able to keep the content fresh and new for people that come back year after year is, you know, versus us trying to come up with what all the topics of the sessions are going to be and only using our limited uh, exposure to the entire podcast community, where instead you know, crowdsourcing what those topics are that people are most interested in. So, um, you know, it's a it's a double edged sword in that it's difficult to say no to so many people that we we like and would love to work with. But at the same time, that's how we keep the the content so good.
0: So I'm sorry, I'm hogging the mic here, Rob. But what about the uh, new 800 pound gorillas is Spotify? And, you know, what do we can see for presence from iHeart? Are they all going to be there? They're going to be uh, catering to us. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think um, anyone that, that comes to the top of my head is, is going to be there in some, some way, shape or form. So quite a few of them have booths that they're setting up this year, which they've never done before. Um, booths or um, party sponsorships or, you know, you name it. There's a little bit of everything going on from some of those um, bigger players that are maybe newer to the space or newer to starting to integrate themselves in the space at least. So I think everyone's going to have uh, some level of, of impact on on the event and, you know, hopefully for the better. I think hands down almost every one of them I've talked to they've you know expressed that the reason why they're wanting to get involved with our event isn't just to you know have those connections and conversations with the same 800 pounds gorillas that they're constantly working with on a daily basis but instead integrate themselves with the other um, members of the community the independent creators the hobbyists the people that um, make up the night probably 90% of the attendees at podcast movement those are the people that they're there for um, which to me is exciting depending on you know who it is they have different levels of service or interaction with those people already um, but, but, we just think that 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 intent and that that interest from their side to be a part of it is uh is a promising sign.
2: So let's talk a little bit about your keynotes is there was there a theme that you were looking for this year with your keynotes?
1: No, we always try to do something, uh, something a little different. So we kind of Mm -hmm. go into it with an open mind. Um, You know, every year we kind of have the big, hairy, audacious goal speakers that we go for um, certain ones that we just kind of go after every year and get the no every year um, Mm -hmm. or, you know, get the, get the price tag on every year. And it's something that we're not able to to meet, um, but yeah, you know, there, we we have four keynote sessions this year, plus a, a a featured talk by Tom Webster of Edison, who does one of those every year now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first keynote speaker we announced was uh, Ear Hustle, the team from Ear Hustle, mm-hmm. and uh, anyone might have might know the show from one of the hosts being in prison, recording the show from San Quentin prison uh, for several seasons before getting released and now hosting it from outside the prison. So, um, you know, my limited knowledge of of the background of that is that San Quentin prison is a a very um, progressive prison. They have all different types of like media training and things like that for the prisoners. Um, So in conjunction with that, they had this podcast that they launched out of the prison. Hmm. Um, And it's a full circle thing for us at podcast movement because in 2016, uh, Radiotopia held this contest where anyone and everyone could submit their their concepts for a podcast, um, and they would, you know, pitch them, and and they would have a committee that selected which concept they thought was the best, and then they would bring them onto the network and fund the show. Mm-hmm. And um, they had their kind of pitch contest or pitch uh, process at Podcast Movement in Chicago in 2016 this ear hustle was one of the shows that was pitched and it ultimately won. So the fact that, you know, they started in 2016 pitching this show and now full circle, you know, they've become a, a hit podcast and uh, one of the, the podcasters has now got his prison sentence got commuted and he was out now out of prison. Um, and is able to be there in person, whereas he was joining, um, I think via taped video uh, in 2016. So that's something that's really cool and kind of has a full circle um, tie in with podcast movement. Uh, And then one of the other uh, keynote speakers is Lauren Shippen from The Bright Sessions, um, and she's uh, really huge, one of the biggest stars in the audio fiction space. So going back to that, that's something that was really important to us. Um, And then we announced a few weeks ago Guy Raz from TED Radio Hour, How I Built Mm -hmm. This, um, several other shows. And uh, he's somebody that, that we're really excited about. We've been trying to, to find a fit for him the past several years. Uh, and then the last one we just announced is Patrice Washington. And she's somebody that's um, like a big superstar in the financial, uh, like like what you would call like budgeting, personal finance type podcast space. Um, one, of, one of the fun facts is she's like the personal... Um, the personal media person for uh, Steve Harvey and the Steve Harvey radio show and TV show. Mm. She's the one that always like comes on to talk about finance and stuff. So she's someone that spoke uh, last year at podcast movement on one of the smaller stages. So we're pretty excited to have her keynoting this year.
0: The process you guys go through must be nerve wracking because it's just like you probably got – in the same vein of sessions being people applying for sessions, you probably have the same number of folks applying for keynotes. Does that work the same way to people submit or you guys kind of go out and, and recruit?
1: Yeah, it's more um, a combination of recruiting and then just through relationships and stuff, people kind of pitching um, some of their stars on their, you know, whether their network or their brand or whatever. Um, So it's a little bit of everything, uh, but it's, it's equally difficult because we, we, there's an equal number of no's we have to give. Um, And again, oftentimes those are, you know, sponsors who think they have, you know, this perfect, you know, this perfect fit for the keynote stage. And you have to tell them, like, it's not a perfect fit for this year, kind of what, what's, you know, what we have in mind. So, yeah, similar process in terms of, you know, just having to be pretty, um, you know, pretty strict and and pretty uh, heavy handed with the nose,
0: unfortunately. Right. So, a little topic that's dear to both Rob and I's hearts that we're kind of talked about a little bit already is no no, uh, nobility for hall of fame this year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, you guys did, I I think talked about that last year and, you know, I've had private conversations with you guys and several other members, um, of the hall of fame and people who are big supporters of it. Um, and it's definitely not something that's like not going to happen or ceasing to exist. It's just something from, um, you know, quite honestly, a financial standpoint that, um, was a big investment for us to, to put on, uh, in the way that we, th- we think it deserved to be put on. Yep. So we invested quite a bit in the production, um, mm-hmm. from the staff to the stage production, sure. to the pre-production of videos and all of that. Yep. Um, we invested quite a bit into that and, um, we're just really hopeful that we were going to be able to secure some kind of sponsor or financial support for it. Um, you know, to make it not such a, such a, um, you know, Financial loser for us, um, and this year we weren't we weren't able to do that, but um, we do have have a, a plan in place that we're uh, hopefully going to be announcing pretty soon, uh, and we're, we're pretty excited about it. We think it'll be something cool and still up to those standards of, of what we what we want to present it as. So
0: you know, I run into this doing my thing, and you know, getting support, external support. Why do you think there's such a hesitancy on companies to support? Not only my awards but your you know how did you know why why are we having such a hard time securing people to, to write those checks
1: yeah I think it's because anyone who writes the check then wants to be able to call the shots at some level and with an award show or or something that has some sort of voting process like that that really just kind of takes the uh, whole essence of the awards or of the the voting out of it if you yep. have somebody involved that's going to you know be controlling those shots and how they're called. So I think that's the biggest thing is if some network wanted to support the Hall of Fame but in return they're going to require their CEO or something just as an example um, to be inducted as well. Like that's something we would say no to and thus we wouldn't you know have that you know partner yep. for the, that awards or that Hall of Fame. Um, the award ceremony when we held them for 3 years it was the same the same thing people wanted, you know, to be able to, um, you know, sure they wanted to write the check, but at the end of it, if someone one of their shows didn't win, they'd want to know why. And it, the answer would be because they didn't win. Right. So right. Not the right answer. Um, so to me, that's kind of the biggest reason why uh, people have a problem with it is because they don't have
0: that control if, uh, when they do. It, it is an event you would think it's, it goes against my mindset here to think that they would, of course, I don't get that. They just don't, they just don't support. <laughs> So, yeah, interesting that they want to control the process. That's too bad, really. So hopefully what you guys have come up with will be a suitable substitute. So... Now here's the next question: Will you make up for it next year, and will you induct ten because we didn't induct five this year?
1: <laughs> we might have to meet in the middle. We might have to, yeah, do somewhere somewhere
0: at the half seven fifty or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Cut somebody in half. After yeah.
1: Acceptance the first year and half the next year.
0: Because you know there was a you know the, the line keeps moving you know yeah. and and as as the line moves on eligibility, you know the people that could have potentially got in early are going to miss. So I'm hoping you guys put in something in the, that's my suggestion, make a process that <laughs> we missed this year, say, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to slot four for the prior eligibility and four for the new or, or whatever that it may be. fair
1: enough to me. That sounds fair,
0: right? <laughs> but the bottom line
2: is that it's, it's, it's coming back. So yeah, it's matter. It's not like it's gone and dead. So we just wanted to make sure that. No, no, it's something.
1: Yeah. And, you know, um, Gary Leland, who is one of the founders with, of podcast movement <laughs> with us, that's his, um, that was kind of his, uh, his baby or his, his thought, mm-hmm. you know, pretty early on to, to implement something like that. So, um, you know, he's one of the biggest supporters of it as well. And I, I think I get a text from him every few weeks asking if, <laughs> if we've announced the comeback yet, so yeah, you know,
2: hopefully we have that all, all squared away. And
0: Gary's going to be like this, you know, <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs>
2: Hey, he's got a lot of that Bitcoin now. He can he can put that into yeah. Have, about, and have right?
0: Gary pay for it? You know, he's got the <laughs> Bitcoin farm, <or> whatever.
2: <laughs> hey Dan, let's uh, talk a little bit about the broadcasters meet podcasters track again. What's what's going on with that this year?
1: Yeah, I mean that's just um, you know kind of the inevitable crossover that we all saw coming several several years ago. Was um, you know people on the radio side. Uh, either discovering the the podcast as, a, as an outlet for what they they were already doing on the radio side or, or a transition point if they were getting out of radio, but still trying to um, stay on the air, so to speak. So yeah, every year that broadcasters meet podcasters track is getting bigger and, and more popular. Um, this year, I think it's interesting. We're seeing, um, and this is a track that's put together by Jacobs Media. So they're a team that mm-hmm. are uh, traditional radio consultants that have um, you know, more recently in the past, probably decade or so gotten very much into, uh, consulting companies on their digital transition. So from traditional radio to, um, mm. you know, uh, implementing more digital solutions into their radio. So they kind of sit at the middle of these two worlds anyway. So they've always been, um, real good to us in, in pulling together some pretty good, uh, content for that track. Um, but this year I would say more than last year, we see more podcasters, uh, participating in, in either the panels or the actual, um, you know, just speaking on the track. So in the past, it's been radio people that have maybe adopted podcasting a little bit that were are talking about it. Um, so that, you know, the people in attendance would see some familiar faces up there. Um, but this year we're more seeing people that are, you know, either lifetime radio, uh, uh, podcasting people or have been podcasting people for a long time, um, you know, leading and participating in those sessions. So it's slowly that transition and that crossover is slowly kind of moving more, more and more towards, um, you know, more traditional podcasting type sessions. Um, So it's a little bit of, um, I think, just the education level of the radio community has has gotten uh, better. They're more educated on podcasting now. So the sessions aren't necessarily like, you know, what's a podcast, but it's really like, okay, now now that we've kind of set the bar of what a podcast is, now we can actually do something with it for the radio people.
0: Yeah, I typically never get to go to any of those sessions. For me, it's always about listening to them later. I think I'm still listening to sessions from last year.
1: Well, we'll have 150 more to add to your queue after this year.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Do you want to have any more spare time? All your spare time that you have now is right. going to be
0: gone. Right. Yeah, right. like I have any spare so time now.
2: Let's uh, let's talk about the the elephant in the room. All of the after hours stuff that's going on. Is there something <laughs> that's uh, that's that's special this year that you guys yeah. are excited about? I don't know if about? that's the
1: elephant in the room or not. But well, um, you
2: know, everybody looks forward to, to all of the networking events, right? So yeah,
1: no, it's it's exciting um, this year. So um iHeart is hosting kind of our big party this year. It's offsite at a place in Orlando called Tin Roof. So we've got all the buses ready to line up and and take people um just around the corner like a 5-minute bus ride, but um but uh, nobody wants to walk in the Orlando heat. So nice air-conditioned buses door to door. Um so they've got a big party going on. Um you know, when we were at the party last year, the the big party that uh Castbox hosted in Philadelphia, um a representative from iHeart came over and said um kind of pulled me aside and said, we want to do this party next year. So, um, you know, they, they, they saw the party and they thought that it would be a cool thing to do. So, um, you know, it's a year in the making, so hopefully it's uh, real cool. And I think a lot of people will be uh, going to it, hanging out. Um, Stitcher has an offsite party this year. So, um, we'll be, we'll be having buses for that as well. That's on uh, the Wednesday night of the event. And then, uh, Himalaya has our kickoff party this year. Um, it's actually at the venue in the, on the main stage, um, got some live music and a, and a DJ in there, uh, they've just invested in a dance floor and some crazy lights for the dance floor as well. So, um, it's going to be a big party, lots of, uh, lots of food and drinks for anyone who's interested in food or drinks, um, as an attendee of the event. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's good the party scene is going to be, uh, good this year. Um, and ABC news even is, uh, is hosting a breakfast this year for, for everyone on the, uh, think it's the the first day of the event. So, um, uh, it's the first year where we've had any kind of like public, public breakfast and, or public, uh, you know, show up a little early and get breakfast courtesy of one of the sponsors. So yeah, a lot of
0: good things happening. So is the, uh, I always have to ask this because Rob and I are both, uh, ultra here. Are we going to be able to talk at these events? <laughs>
1: I think so. I think so. Um, so that's it's always a good,
2: the sore subject. Yeah,
1: it is. Um, yeah, I think so. Especially at the iHeart party. I think it's, uh, one of those multi-room venues that, that we like where you can kind yeah. of have different rooms
0: depending on what you're, uh, if you went. want to be blasted on one side and talk on the other, that venue last year was, uh, man, that was dynamite where it's you really guys cool. were last that's, year. Uh, yeah, the uh, the Reading
1: Terminal in downtown Philadelphia yeah, that, it was fantastic. It it was, hard uh, to
0: duplicate that.
1: It will be, but um I there there are people sure trying.
0: So iHeart, the I iHeart, the biggest podcasting network. <laughs> okay, I'll Number be quiet. One. I'll be careful here. <laughs> hey, um what is, what's your guys'
2: thoughts? Um you know, you guys aren't um, doing any kind of weekend days with this event any, anymore. Is there, you know, as you look back on that or are, what's your thoughts on not crossing over to a, to a weekend at all with the event? Do you think it's I'll, I'll say, the I'll numbers? Say, it doesn't. I'll say right. stay tuned. OK. Yeah. Um,
1: you know, early on uh, the first two years, uh, we we were pretty much exclusively a weekend event. Right. Um, and then, you know, the since then, it's been exclusively a weekday event. Um, and we, we, we have seen good from both. Um, we see value in both. So, um, you know, I think in the future, we're at least going to, going to dip our toes in the water of potentially, um, you know, crossing over days and seeing, uh, you know, maybe a, a small shift in programming a little bit catered towards the people that are more likely to come on a Saturday versus someone that's more likely to come on a Wednesday. So, um, you know, we're definitely kind of taking that into account and, and hopeful we we're putting a solution together for that.
0: Oh, good. I'm I'm happy to hear that because it's, that's the thing I get feedback from podcasters the most is it's all week. I can't take a week off work. Yeah. So Yeah. That's the thing I, you know, continue to hear. That's the feedback I, at least that I get.
2: Yep. Dan, you're out there speaking with um, a lot of people, you know, in the industry from all sorts of different sides of the, of the podcasting space today, probably more than just about anybody else in the medium. What are you seeing out there as far as kind of like the, the, the big movements or the big, um, trends that you're seeing around um, who's getting involved in podcasting, what the what the genres are. Is there something that you're seeing bubbling that's um, maybe most of us haven't seen?
1: No, I mean, what I keep seeing a lot of is just people jumping from company to company a lot. Um, you know, I'll have a contact at one company um and the next thing they know they'll they'll become the the marketing contact at a different company we're working with and that marketing <laughs> contact's gone somewhere else um, i guess i'm one of them i guess yeah <laughs> exactly yeah we're 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 pointing whatever way on the screen here at rob um but yeah you know i'm i'm just seeing that a lot so there's while there's a lot of new um you know, companies starting in the space, I see a lot of the same people kind of working with them. So, um, you know, I, I guess you could say that there, at least the hires that some of these new players in the space are making are are people with experience in the space. So, um, uh, right. that's smart on them to not just people, yeah. you know, not starting a company and bringing a bunch of outsiders in. Right. Um,
0: well, so, some so of them so have that's, that's the one thing that's
1: top of mind, <laughs> just because I've seen it happen four or five times in the past few weeks of just people saying, oh, this is my last day at this company, but you'll see me pop up somewhere very familiar next, <laughs> next Monday or something like that. Right, it right, right. happened
2: quite a bit. Right, so more and more podcasters that have experience are jumping in getting full time jobs working. yeah, I think for, that's for happening for some of these, quite companies. Companies.
1: right, yeah, that's happening quite a bit, as well as just you know people more on the business side of these companies that are um you know being hired not internally within the company but internally within the podcast ecosystem.
0: It's odd, I haven't been poached yet, <laughs> 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 I think that's called acquisition todd I, I think so too. <laughs> 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 but I tell you, you know, Dan, one thing that, you know, obviously you guys went through an acquisition or not acquisition, well, partial acquisition, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I wouldn't call it an acquisition, more of an investment. So, yeah. Um, you know, like like most startups or small companies that, you know, if they have big, hairy, audacious growth goals, yeah. which we, we do, some some still <laughs> behind the scenes, some are, are public now, um, you know, it takes resources and it takes um, investment. So we've taken some investment. Um, you know, but, but from the beginning, Jared and I were, Jared Easley and I were pretty much in charge and that's not changed a bit. Yeah. Still Mm -hmm. main owners, still main operators, still all of that. Um, so it's more kind of, um, you know, not lining the pockets, but lining the bank account a little bit for, for, um, you know, long-term investment and strategizing. So that's kind of the, the extent of us. And, you know, our, the big important piece for us there was, the investments from nobody that anyone's ever heard of. Um, and so it's not like any of these big 800 pound gorillas that, um, we Mm -hmm. certainly had our door knocked on several times. Um, but it's just not something that interests us at all in terms of um, giving up our status as Switzerland in the middle of the ecosystem is very important to us. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, people will see in the, in the coming months and they have already seen with the relaunch of our website and and relaunch of a, a daily newsletter and, and lots of content coming out all day, every day. Um, something that was important to us and a part of that, something we're doing with some of that investment. And then, um, yeah, more to come in the coming months as well.
0: You know, one thing that we've been seeing, and I, I looked through my planner a couple of days ago, I have had 32 calls with money people, people looking to invest in the space. And, you know, what um, What amazes me is, is um, the perception. I almost know how the conversations are going to go. The perceptions that the space is bigger money-wise than it is. You know, they come in and say, "Yeah, we we do investments with happened, we do with we, we come in and we do investments with companies that have uh, twenty five million dollars, uh, you know, uh, gross uh, revenue per year." And I'm like, "Well, <laughs> uh, nobody uh, on the service side, at least, maybe on the on the content side." And uh, I think most of those investors are pretty shocked on, you know, where the where the dollar numbers really are. And uh, so I think maybe. We need uh, to attract a little different type of investor, not these big mega, you know, mega funds that have $5 billion in their fund and the minimum check they write is, uh, you know, $65 million. So, yeah, Todd,
2: uh, I agree. There's a lot of folks out there that are, that are dipping their toes in this, this, this big of the medium. Uh, that are they're still sitting on the sidelines because yeah. it's not a it's not a big enough medium. It's not yet. big enough We're yet. we still growing, and this medium grows kind of slowly, actually, in the scheme of things. I mean, I mean, everybody wants it to grow a lot faster, but yeah. you know, I think we've been steady, um, and that's actually proved to be a very good thing. I think.
0: So uh, you know, as much money as I think wants to come in the space, I just think that we you know we haven't hit thresholds. And uh, right. I think if you're going to see movement anywhere, you're going to see it in the in the bigger deals, the bigger, uh, and maybe some smaller acquisitions, some roll-ups, but um, I just don't think you're going to see it on the service side. It, it, the, right. the numbers aren't big enough. Right. If you look at Libsyn's public numbers, what is 22 million? I think that's what your public numbers are, aren't they, Rob?
2: I, I haven't looked recently. Okay, so, so I think sure. you're
0: 22 million <laughs> for the year or something like that. So if you're yeah. the, you know, if you're the biggest, then everyone else is smaller than that. That just, you know, kind of sets the, right. you know, where the dollars are um, mm-hmm. revenue wise. So it'd be curious to see uh, if anybody, and, you know, last year there was four or five people that stopped by the booth that were there shopping and uh, they haven't made any moves. Yeah. So how, how what's your attendee list look like for investment bankers?
1: Um, you know, it's, uh, the attendee list overall every year because we move, it looks a little different. It kind of takes the shape of the, the region of the country we're in. Um, so last year, you know, we had a lot of people that could make an easy jump down from, from New York city, uh, on a train or DC or Boston or any of the other Mm -hmm. big metros. Right. Um, you know, whereas now it's a little more, uh, it probably will lean a little bit more heavy towards the hobbyist or the independent podcaster, just because we're a little more into the the part of the country where, uh, there's a lot of creators, but not necessarily as many, um, you know, big businesses or, or big investment banks and stuff. Um, that said, um, I think it'll still, because the overall numbers are increasing, kind of the quantities of all those buckets of people will probably be increased, but it's just, um, you know, maybe the the allocation of those groups will be a little different, but, uh, you know, that, that same, that same idea of being in a different part of the country, what it, something that had happened to the event this year was we sold out the hotel way quicker than we ever have before. So I think it's more just people were planning their travel a little bit earlier because it was maybe a harder to get to or a, or a further travel, um, for them versus, you know, they'll book a last minute train ticket and come down for a day like they might've done in Philadelphia. Right. So, um, yeah. So there's going to be a couple, uh, packed hotels this year. That's was the hotel surprised you filled it? Oh yeah. We were, we were all surprised. Um, not that we filled it because we've pretty much filled the hotels every year. Um, and it's been a growing number of hotel rooms we've said, or we've had to, to pre book every year. Um, but I think just the speed at when it happened, I want to say it happened pretty much like three or four months out when usually it might be three or four weeks out. Right. When mm-hmm. That sellout happens. Um, you know, this is a big hotel, but it's, uh, they have a certain number of rooms that they have for other smaller events that are kind of taking place at some of the smaller uh, meeting spaces around. Mm-hmm. And uh, this year they didn't have any more to give us. So luckily it's a, it's a small local chain there in Orlando, uh, the Rosen chain of hotels. And they had a, a really nice hotel. That's like a five minute car ride away. So we were able to book an overflow block there and uh, we've booked a shuttle bus to go back and forth all day, every day. So it shouldn't add too much, um, you know, trouble to the 200 or so people that are, 200 or 300 or so people staying over there. Um, yeah. I wondered
0: what yeah. your numbers were. So like 300 then, not bad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 300 at the overflow and, you know, pushing
0: a thousand at the, at the main hotel. Yeah. Cause I was telling all the, kinds
1: of Airbnbs and, and, you know, whatever else all around. I was so telling the drive-ins this year, I'm thinking.
0: I was telling the team, if you're going to, uh, if we're going to add anybody, they're going to be staying at the other hotel. So uh, we decided not to add anybody at this point.
2: Yeah. So that actually raises a really good question. So let's say somebody's watching this that, that maybe, you know, it's still time to make reservations to, to go. Dan, what would you recommend is the right, is the best course for doing that? I mean, as far as place to stay, um, yeah, we still have know, room at the overflow hotel.
1: Right. So on the website, podcastmovement.com slash hotel, it will lead you right to the, the, mm-hmm. um, the overflow hotel. And the main hotel, you know, you never know if, if a reservation gets canceled. There might be some, you know, flash availability at right. the main hotel. Um, I wouldn't count on it, but it could happen. Um, but yeah, there's still there's still plenty of room at the Overflow Hotel. Uh, and then again, it's uh, it's it's a very drivable area. There's a lot of uh, metro areas that are within four or five hour drive of Orlando that uh, people would be able to to drive in if they're if they're driving in on it for one or two days even. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think think we'll have
2: quite a bit of that. So you are selling single day tickets and things like that too? No, we're not. But
1: you oh, know, inevitably people will, will end up saying, Oh, you know, I'll go to those two oh. those two full okay. days or something like that, drive in early in the morning and get a hotel for one night or or, you know, sleep in the car. I've done that before. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> not in a while, but I've uh you know, I've slept in the car and uh, you know, the uh the hotel gyms usually have nice showers, so as long as you can find a way in there you can to make sure
2: you're, you're sanitized and ready to go in. Right. There you go. Yes. So you guys have three ticket passes you can get. Well, I guess a standard, standard plus and pro pass, right?
1: Yeah. And that's something we've done for the past few years. And it's really, um, the pro passes for the people that, that, you know, just want food throughout the day. So, mm-hmm. um, one of the biggest things that we've dealt with and especially early on was a lot of people are used to going to some of the high dollar corporate events where foods included. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyone that, you know, has run any kind of event before knows it's about a hundred dollars per person per meal, um, for even a lunch. That's so, right. You know, when right. we're selling tickets at two or $300 early on, um, mm-hmm. you know, we'd, we'd double that if we were just paying for meals for everyone every day. So, um, so that's why we introduced the pro pass because it's really an opportunity to have some breakfast and some snacks throughout the day and, and uh, some nourishment, if you want to call it that for, for people that want to pay for it, but also not jack up the price for everyone else who would rather just get in for as lowest, uh, the lowest price possible. And then that middle tier, the difference between the low tier and the middle tier is the middle tier comes with all the videos we were talking about uh, a second ago, all 150 mm. sessions recorded, published, available on demand after the event. So that's really that big difference between the the first and the second tier.
0: You know, that was an uh, issue in an event I went to earlier this year where the food choices were, I was like the rest, I mean, I was going over to a gas station to get food. Uh, <laughs> How is this place set up for, are they ready for the onslaught of 3000 people that need to eat?
1: Yeah, they are. So um, the cool thing about this, is it's what's classified as a resort hotel, which is kind of everything under one roof type hotel. Um, so as where anyone that was in Philly last year, it was a downtown hotel with very little right. options inside the hotel, but plenty close very walkable all yeah. around the downtown area right. to be able to get to food. Mm-hmm. Um, this is since it's considered, like I said, a resort hotel, it's, you know, got six or seven different restaurants all there. Um, they're used to having big events like ours there, you know, all day, every day for the most part. So, um, you know, it's, it's a good, a good place to be able to, for people to spread out, but without having to leave the hotel um, and it's a little bit on a, a mm-hmm. being a resort hotel, it's a little bit away from, it's not in a downtown area, not that downtown mm-hmm. Orlando is where you would want to be anyways, um, but it's a little uh, away from other things, but it's still, you know, a two minute Uber ride or a, a 10 minute walk from, you know, some other restaurants if you really just are desperate to,
0: to get yeah. out of the hotel. Awesome. Yeah, because that's always, it's like, you just keep running, just like even grab a sandwich from the deli or something sometimes is an ordeal. So and I I've heard good things about this resort. I've the everyone that says that's been there before are, is happy the event is at at the Rosen. So
1: Yeah, we definitely uh do our best to to vet the venues. Oftentimes we, you know, overthink it a little too much, but usually it's not at the cost of um, you know, sacrificing a nice venue that people will at the very least be
0: comfortable in. Right. Yeah, the event this spring I about starved. There was it was it was horrible. I mean, I mean, as I'm like I'm thinking you're you're a hotel and you don't have, you have a convention space and you're not ready to feed a thousand people. What's wrong with you? Where you know, I'm. To me, that's just like lost revenue. It's just like it blows me away. But that's the way it was. Hey guys, not to change the subject too much here,
2: but. Um there's been talk over the last uh, week or so about, uh, it is the golden age of podcasting ending. (laughs) Dan, I wanted to ask you, you're, you're looking at the industry at a much more holistic level than probably Todd and I too. Um, what are you saying? Are you thinking that the golden age of podcasting or were we ever in a golden age of podcasting? I mean, I think you
1: said it with the slow and steady growth that we've seen over the past decade or so. Um, it's, I don't, I don't see how nothing indicates in the slow and steady growth that there was ever necessarily a golden age to begin with. Um, Right. So I think that's a nice, yeah. Nice headline, um, to grab the tension. Right. (laughs) The same thing with the peak podcast and all that stuff. I think a lot of those are good, um, people from the outside looking in, just kind of making, you know, random commentary points, Mm -hmm. but nobody that I'm talking to or working with on a daily basis that's inside is bringing up that they feel like it's, you know, whether you want to call it a bubble or the golden age Mm -hmm. ending or whatever, everyone is, you know, pretty, pretty bullish on, on everything that's happening. And, you know, like any business, we'll see some unsuccessful startups or unsuccessful, you know, parts of it going under and it, you know, turning into something else. But in terms of like, yeah, there, there being some kind of big drop off or cliff coming, I, I have a hard time seeing what that might be.
2: Yeah. I think it was really started, you know, if you read these articles that are coming out, it's, it it was really kind of started based on the, uh, the change in the models, right. Is it, is podcasting. So, you know, is podcasting going to, going to remain an open medium, right. Or is it going to wind up being like a Netflix or whatever behind a password or, you know, you know, a paywall or something like that. I think that's what the foundation of a lot of this talk was right. And, and the truth of the matter is that we've always had paywalls in podcasting. There's always been paid premium content. There's, you know, a lot of people, I think, that get into the medium think that these things are happening, like Luminary or whatever, <laughs> are, are, are a big trend in the industry that's such new and shiny thing. But what, what a lot of them don't realize is that it's been going on for 15 years. <laughs> yeah, it's just in different forms. So yeah, I and mean, I mean,
1: you guys know that better than me from the, you know, being in it twice right. as long as me. Um but right. yeah, it's or more more than twice as long than right. it is me. But um but yeah, I mean it it I I see obviously there's there's different platforms and different business right. models coming into it and uh you know, it's going to be uh time will tell if they're adopted by the listeners right. or not, but I don't think that necessarily is going to be doom and gloom for what yeah. we traditionally refer to as podcasts. I mean, as long as there's people willing to listen to content for free, which why wouldn't you be willing to listen to content for free in exchange for, you know, hearing ads or, or, or some other, you know, donations or whatever these models that have been working and have been Mm -hmm. continuing to work and grow for so long. And as long as there's creators willing to put that free content out there and, and, you know, either just okay with it being free or okay with going one of those Mm -hmm. business models. Um, as long as those two sides of the equation are, are both,
2: you know, there, I, I don't see it, anything dropping off. There's, there's room for all business models and all distribution models too. And they've been, all have been around for a long time. Todd, you're, you're kind of quiet on this Is it, I'm sure you have strong opinions well, on this too.
0: The, you know, the only thing that we're seeing, and I just get it from my support team is that we're having to do an incredible amount of education right now. I mean, our support ty- team has taken, I'm talking about individual podcasters, not mm-hmm. business yeah. models. The individual podcasters are coming in, are coming in at, uh, um, knowledge yeah. base zero, right? You know, really knowledge base zero. They're not doing any pre-study. They're not doing pre any pre research. They're, you know, I want a podcast, and they call us, and you know, then we spend an hour on the phone with them, and so you know, half consult, half uh, tech support. Mm-hmm. So you know, from our our standpoint, it's uh, we're doing an incredible amount of one-on-one stuff. I mean, just real basic getting them educated up to speed, you know, using the service, um, because
1: that as a positive though, or no,
0: it's, uh, well, it's, this trend hasn't changed. It's been like this for the last year, year and a half, but we continue to see the decline in knowledge base. I mean, I mean, rock bottom, not knowing anything, they want a podcast. They think they know how to record and they're going to get started and uh, needing a lot of hand-holding. I mean, an incredible amount of Mm hand-holding.
2: Yeah, I'm seeing that too. I mean, I, I think what what it really is is we're now. I mean, we're expanding the base of content creators yeah. uh, and people desiring to create podcast content at an exponential rate right now. Yeah, uh, and it's just a, it's it's attracting. I think it's very similar to what happened in the early days of um, of of YouTube, right? Uh, YouTube attracted a lot of creators uh, that really didn't know much about technology. They just knew that, you know get a webcam and. Create a YouTube account and start recording videos. Right, that's about as complicated as it was. Uh, podcasting is a little more complicated than doing YouTube, but but it just seems like there's a lot of new people that are coming into the medium um, from all sorts of backgrounds and and age groups and things like that that just don't have the technology um, skill set to come into it. They're they're looking for easy solutions. I mean, if you look at You know, companies like Simplecast and, you know, you can start to see what's what that bigger trend is, is is that newer people getting into the medium that don't know that much about podcasting, but want to do podcasting. So I think it's a good trend.
0: Tom says Tom Webster says he's been watching us here today. Tom, welcome. Rick, welcome. Ryan, welcome. Everyone else that's watching today. Thanks for being here. But Tom says you're right. And it's not just the podcasters. The new listeners have a very different view of the medium from the longer listeners. Mm-hmm. The whole fo- the whole focus of the research that they're going to debut at PM night at PM. So, um, and you, I, and we know the listeners are changing too. So the demographic of the it's expanding. Uh, well, it's no, it's I think it's shifting. Well, well, okay, so we had I think
2: it's expanding more than it's shifting
0: okay. So maybe yeah. so if you think about the early days, twenty five thirty five to fifty five was the premium. That, that was where everyone was at, 35 to 55. If I go back to 2005, right. 35 to 55. And then we started shifting 30, 25, 20. Now we've got the 18s, maybe even a little younger. Now
2: we've got 10, 12-year-old podcasters now.
0: Right. And then yeah. we've got, and so that's expanded audience. And then those that were already 55 and moved to 65, they're still listening. Right. It's just, I think the bell curve is you know, completely well. It's it's rounded out, but there's definitely a lot more younger people coming in than there are older people coming in. The older people are here, have been here, so right. at least
2: right. And as we see podcasting expand, you know, into other countries around the world more, um, that that diversity of the of the content creator and listener expands yeah. and it becomes more. You know, I know that. You know, given my my background, in the medium to some degree, you know, the the international side of this medium is is really starting to to pick up, and it's not huge. I mean, the U.S. is still the dominant um, podcast um, area in, in in the world, but uh, these other areas of the world are starting to to pick it
0: up. Well, you know, very it's not very hard to have a successful show in Brazil. You speak Portuguese. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you're almost guaranteed a hundred thousand listeners just by speaking Portuguese and doing a podcast in Brazil.
1: Right. It's, so you're saying the listener base is more educated than the creator base there because it there's got to be a hundred thousand people to listen to a show for it to get those numbers, right?
0: I think yeah. it's more about the way the workforce is divided and the type of work they do. There's shows down there that are six hour podcast.
2: Right. It's
0: a and they have three really million people, too. three million people listening to the show. You know, right. so right. on a daily basis. It's it's insane. So it's it's just a whole. I think it's part of it's it's a workforce because they're working longer hours and the shows are more structured towards entertaining them. And they're not not live. These are they're not live. They've been recorded and put out. They're they're not a live stream show. There is some of that because of the people are getting the show the next day. So,
2: Dan, are you seeing more? registered attendees coming from outside of the U S yeah, we are. And we're,
1: we've got a few more sessions this year that are kind of talking about some of those topics and emerging markets and featuring, um, you know, speakers and, and podcasters from outside the U S but yeah, we're definitely seeing that. I think we'll have over 30 countries represented this year. I haven't counted. Um, we had over 25 countries represented last year. Um, and I think last I checked it was over 30. So yeah, I mean, it's the the international reach is growing, um, a lot more, you know, support tickets from people international that are maybe having some issues with the checkout process or just things that different countries might, um, you know, browsers and stuff might experience. So just anecdotally as well, we're seeing quite a bit more of that type of, uh, interest from, from elsewhere.
2: So would you guys ever consider doing, a doing like an event, um, outside of the U S somewhere at some point? Yeah, maybe. Um,
1: it would definitely, I, I would think we would want to do it as a partnership with, with someone that's a little more local. I think right. it would be, um, you know, it'd be a little arrogant of us to think we could just go and replicate what we're doing in a market that we're not familiar with and that we don't really have, you know, the support right. in, um, you know, but I think as, as the international podcasting grows, there, there's definitely room for that and, and there's desire for that. I mean, we do again, anecdotally, but we have uh, lots of people from those countries that are, they're asking us those same questions to do something like it, um, you know, over there. So where, where there's a, where there's a desire and want there potentially could be a, an opportunity for us.
2: So as you look to the future, Dan, I mean, tell us what you can, but uh, what do you see as the future of the podcast movement um, kind of brand and the direction that you guys are trying to trying to go with it as you look to the future?
1: Yeah. So anyone that's seen the relaunch of our website or, or subscribed to our our daily newsletter at podcastmovement.com, um, as we've kind of explained to, to all of them, um, the whole idea right now is, you know, we've been this four days a year, every year thing for six years. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really felt um, that we kind of were losing connection with people and then reconnecting with them after four year or after a year for four mm-hmm. more days and then losing it again. Um, you know, so our our goal right now is to to bridge that gap and try to, you know, bring that same value and that same community that we bring to people those four days out of the year, um, mm-hmm. you know, bring that to them on a on a year round basis. So from a content standpoint, that's really the phase one that we've we've kicked off so far is um, you know, doing, doing regular content on the website. we're only going to be expanding that, um, that regular daily connection over, over email. Um, we've gotten really great feedback on our email newsletter. It's, it's doubled in the past uh, week, um, as well for that daily newsletter. So, um, so yeah, for us right now, it's just kind of bridging that gap and, and maintaining that connection with, those people that support us four days a year, maintaining Mm -hmm. that year round. So, you know, that's as much as I can say about, um, you know, Mm -hmm. phase one of this. Uh, But it's something that we're really excited about. And it's allowed us to really, um, you know, kind of turn over a new leaf uh, for the business while, you know, still maintaining that event as the core function Mm -hmm. of what we do. Um, But yeah, bridging the gap in between those those events.
0: You know, the commentary I've heard on the newsletter is, How many more newsletters do we need? Because I think I'm up to six dailies now. (laughs) So you guys got your work cut out to.
2: Different different
0: news. Yes. You guys have got your work cut off to be unique. Of course, everyone else is covering the same thing, sometimes a day before, a day after. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something, you know, there's, there's quite a few out there Yeah, and
0: probably all of us here subscribe to all of them and
1: do our best to, to read them. Right. So, um, you know, right. one of our, we, we spent several months, um, you know, on the, at the drawing board trying to figure out what we, you know, what we're going to do different, um, because we're, you know, friends with all the other newsletters and fans and readers of them. Um, so if we right. were going to put something else out in the space, we wanted to make sure it was something, you know, something different that wasn't. Uh, trying to kick anyone away or, or, you know, replace anyone, but add a different option. And then, you know, naturally people will decide which ones are worth reading and which ones they don't want to read anymore. And we hope that they read ours, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's something we're excited about.
2: And again, we've, we've gotten really exciting feedback from it so far. Well, Todd, you know, for most of the years that this podcast medium has been around, we didn't have any news sources. None, as you recall? None.
0: Right? No, I. I, I we have a lot. So you know, I, I've had a, I've had podcasternews.com for. I know. Ten years, and we, but we, we we're, you know, one or two articles a week or something. You know, we weren't right. putting out too much information. Right. We never thought about it would be smart to do an actual newsletter. I kind of missed the boat on that. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I never had to, never put the resources to it. So I'm glad to see someone is, because it keeps me entertained on what's going on in this space.
2: Hey, Dan, uh, would you guys ever bring back the, the podcast awards that you guys did a few years years back? What's your philosophy on podcast awards?
1: That's pretty low on the list. I'm not, not going talk to talk to <laughs> yeah. this guy. Yeah, I'll just, yeah, I'll come <laughs> out and say that's that's a little lower on the list as we talk about, you know, the next the next phases for the right. event. Um, it was something that, that I enjoyed doing from a personal level. Um, I was very hands-on in the production of the live event. It was something that I was really proud of how we presented the awards uh, and the awards show. Yep. Um, but it was just, uh, it was, it was probably the most complicated production we put on each year. Um, and that's just talking about the live production. Not yeah. to mentioned yep. the, you know, 180 finalists and coordinating uh, as Todd talks about all the acceptance speeches of people who can't be there and, and the voting and wrangling in, you know dozens, if not hundreds of voters to try to vote on these things and listen to them. The so keyword is wrangling. It was, um, it was pretty thankless. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. And Todd can probably uh, relate to that term for it. Thankless as re- results in, in death threats. Yeah, I, didn't, I haven't received those yet. Thank goodness. Um, but that's one more reason not to bring ours back and let you, uh, let you keep going.
0: Yeah. So luckily I was telling, uh, telling rob last week i think we made our budget number you know and thank god we did because it's just like i wasn't ready to write a check out of my own personal account again this year so um, well, it's
2: amazing to me how many podcast awards actually are out there right, right there's a operating. huge number right now if you yeah. look I mean, even globally there's ones there's there's I think probably there's, there's probably 20 there's ones up in canada <laughs> Um, there's different genres of awards. Dan, it was just like what you were talking about. Uh, it's about control, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's
1: several ones that are more traditional long running audio type awards that are either including podcasts in their existing award categories or now, you know, expanding the awards to, to bring podcasts into there. So yeah, not only are there new ones popping up, but also existing ones that are starting
0: to layer it in as well. And you too can participate for $399. (laughs) And some of those, I'm that's I did get a, an email from somebody. Yeah, you can you can apply to be part of our awards. It wasn't a podcast award; it was some blogging thing. And it's only going to cost you four hundred dollars to do it. I'm like, oh, nice. I see how your monetization model is. So funny. Yeah.
2: So, any other things, um, Dan, that you wanted to talk about uh, for, for podcast movement coming up that uh, people should know about?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're we're super excited about a lot. Like one of the things that that Rob you were instrumental on early on from the Voxnest side is the live stage that we're debuting this year. So, you know, we um, you know, admittedly spend probably more than we should on stage sets and production for our main stage. Um, and traditionally, we've we've put all that investment into building out the stage and the set and the AV, That's- and then. That stage is sat empty for half the event. So this year, we're um, we've converted that into what we're calling our live stage, our live stream stage. And um, all day, every day during the event, there's going to be stuff happening on that stage. That's maybe not your traditional um, panels or presentations, but things that you know people that aren't at the event can tune into uh, the website. We'll be sharing out, and they'll be able to watch whatever's happening on that stage throughout throughout the day so you know from a marketing standpoint it's a way to bring in people that maybe aren't familiar with the event or aren't able to make it and, and give them a sneak peek into some of the cool stuff that's happening right um but then from a you know event production uh, standpoint it's a way to use that stage in a cool way uh, versus just letting it set, sit dark for
2: two days straight yeah well and todd and i with this show it's going to be on the stage so on on thursday at 4 15
0: can so. you can you talk about Anyone else that we've added to the list, or are you still got maybe? Yeah, I don't
2: have any new, new, new names yet. I'm still trying to round up somebody. Dan, we, we wrangling,
0: wrangling. <laughs> yeah,
2: and uh,
1: you know, something tells me that if you, you know, have your uh, have your your radars up at the event, if you need to pull anybody last minute right. in, there's pretty much going to be people from oh, yeah. uh, from every corner of the podcast ecosystem that you might be able to to. Catch on a. I don't a think win. we'll
0: have a problem finding fill the seats. It's just trying to get the correct ones we oh, want that's in there. What I'm talking about yeah. well,
1: there there's there will be people there that would be worthy <laughs> of those seats. I think.
0: Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I'm trying to get a, a one last guest on the. And what we're talking about is the the new media show we're we're going to do live on on stage and and we've got so far we got uh, well obviously myself and Todd. And uh, Rob Walsh is going to join us and, um, uh, Lindsay Bowen from, um, from Pandora is going to be up on stage and we want to fill out one more seat, um, from a big,
0: big, you know, player in the space. So. Yeah. Give them an opportunity to come up and give them. I think the key here is, is the community hasn't, we talked to these people, you know, but I don't think the community has heard from these people. So right. there's a couple
2: of companies out there that have been kind of quiet in the background, you know, haven't had representatives, you know, speak to the community
0: yet. So yeah, they have these big public to de- ex you know, <laughs> declarations, but then there's no actual person that can talk.
1: Yeah. And you know, that's something we've worked really hard on at the event. It's um, kind of what you guys are saying. It's, it's just difficult to get that official stage presence um, for lack of better term. You know, everyone, um, you know, that is is cool having a booth or cool having these one-on-one conversations uh, or maybe holding private meetings at the Mm -hmm. event. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we really try our best to, to get them on stage and, you know, say, no, this is not a hostile environment. Like maybe you feel like it is, but it's not, these are a bunch of people that just want to know what you're doing it, why you're doing it. Um, And they're going to be, it's going to be a receptive audience for as long, as long as you're, you know, Mm -hmm. willing to take that, you know, and make it a give and take type scenario um so we try but you know most of these you know companies that we're referring to they're just hesitant to to get on stage and make anything beyond kind of what the you know what the PR team <clears throat> has approved and I understand right. that from a business
0: standpoint but you know from a
1: you know selfish selfish podcaster mm-hmm. sitting in the audience standpoint I would love to to hear from them
0: you know I had to laugh because at NAB we were on some panels and the panel before us <laughs> every one of the attendees had PR people that were there that were massaging their message and were saying, you can say this, you can't say this, you can say that. And Robin, the two Robs and I were laughing about that because we have no handlers and good luck trying to have someone handle us, you know, just maybe we need to be handled sometime, (laughs) but it was, it was such a different, it was, you know, completely different mindset, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I mean, a person that's you know been a spokesperson for podcasting, you know, for a company like Microsoft is you know it's it's definitely something that you know you stick your neck out, you know, and if you get up on stage and so, some of these companies are public companies or they're they're um, very very um, high high exposure type of organizations, and it takes takes a little bit of guts to get up on stage and re- represent your whole organization.
1: Yeah. Luckily Um, we've only once had somebody say something on stage that then like by the time they got done, we had an email from the PR person saying like, no, not nobody got fired, but we definitely got a request to pull something out of the the published (laughs) video when we, when we were using the video. So it's only, you know, in five years only happened once, but it was definitely something that that was our first exposure to it.
0: That's funny. And did your answer was no. (laughs) No, yeah, right. yeah, no. It,
1: was, it was actually pretty early on, surprisingly enough. So, we we, we um, you know, obliged. <laughs> we're not we don't try, we're not trying to create any fights yeah, yeah, it was something. And quite honestly, I don't even remember what it was, but I'm sure it was something that was inconsequential that nobody would have even noticed. Yeah. But, um, you know, to them, it was really important.
0: Yeah, we published something for Castbox on Podcaster News a couple of weeks ago that they went high and right on. I'm like, you publicly talked about it, did you tell me to take it offline? No, I'm not. <laughs> You know that's not how it works. You're not
2: supposed to consolidate it into one cohesive message. You you,
0: you put you, you put the information out there. We're, we're gonna we're gonna jump on it. You know, and I didn't. It wasn't even me. I didn't. It was one of my writers. I don't have any editor. I would have no editorial control. I just um write about what you want to write about, yeah. and uh, that way we keep it on the even keel. There's no agenda <laughs> with the uh, website. So, um, it it just well, to me it was funny.
2: Yeah, and also at Podcast Movement this year, we're going to see a first. I think it's a first uh, print publication. Oh, yeah, uh, get get distributed at, at your event. The Podcast Business Journal is going to have a, a print publication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ed,
1: the the managing editor of the the email newsletter, came to me and said that they were working on a print issue and asked if uh, that would be something that would be cool to be handed out a Podcast Movement. And I said, yeah. You know, over the past few years, we've seen several digital magazines be right. put out um, for podcasting. Gary, actually, Gary Leland put one out for a while. Yeah. yeah, Gary Leland put one out. There was one called Podster for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, you know, a few other ones as well. Uh, when Ed came and said that they were doing an actual print one, I said that, yeah, it sounds like a, a cool thing to have. People people like to still grab and hold, hold things in, in a magazine about podcasting. Yeah. Sure. Why not? So I'm excited to see it. It's <clears> got Mike Tyson on the cover. I just saw that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so Is Mike Tyson.
1: Podcaster, Mike Tyson.
2: Oh, he's doing me. a podcast. Funny. Yeah, yeah. Now Dennis Robbins even doing a podcast these
0: days. But, but the question is, are they successful podcasts? Oh, that does bring up a point. I'm what? What's the? I heard podcast one's going to be it. it. Has a booth and everything. Oh,
2: Norm's Norm's going to be there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Lord with Rob Sesternino
0: uh,
2: and
1: yeah. Lord, leading. A, uh, he's got a panel going. Yeah. Like you said, with Rob Sesternino who's been, uh, he was at the first few podcast movements,
2: hadn't been back in a while. So I was excited for Rob from, uh, Rob has a podcast to be there. Yeah, I talked to him just about a week and a half ago and he's excited to come back. I haven't yeah. seen him in uh, a number um, yeah, of years.
1: One's going to have a booth there. Um, I was, I was sworn to secrecy what they're going to have at their booth, but they've got some unique things happening, uh, on the, on the exhibit hall floor. So you know, much like you can't say what you, what you're bringing, Todd, they can't say what they're bringing uh, either. But yeah, that's one of the cool things about podcast movement this year is there's quite a few groups like Podcast One and, and Spotify and, and iHeart that are going to have booths there, and they've never um, you know had yeah. anything like that before. Some of them have done branding
0: plays yeah. and stuff, but are they prepared to
1: have and an earful and, and you know boots <laughs> on the ground? I'm I'm super excited for that, and then we've got a lot of. Uh, you know what I'll call activities happening around the space that are you know you see at some of the bigger trade shows. It's not just you know all booths, but there's different types of of things mm-hmm. to get involved in. Um, you know on the expo floor and in the lobbies and stuff. So quite a bit of that going on as well that we're excited about. Will will be good uh, good uses of people's times whenever
0: they're not in the sessions. So the question then is, um, are these booths prepared for the stark and direct? feedback that podcasters are typically used to giving
1: (laughs) we'll see we'll see i guess uh you know some of the booths are gonna have uh gonna have free free food and free drinks and stuff so that's always a way to to people's hearts Hmm. if you don't know anything else to give them them beer or something that's right
2: well it's always the chocolate candies in our booth so if you want to come by our booth
0: (laughs) It's the loops and the the five billion (laughs) business cards on the table. (laughs) Someday you guys are going to, there's going to be a fan run somewhere and then things are going (laughs) to (laughs) go. Okay. That will be interesting. Oh yeah. It would be interesting. The
2: boosts are going to be right right amongst, um, where all of the sessions are. Right. Right. So everybody's going to be like all in like a blender with each other the whole time. Yeah. A little bit
1: in terms of like, if you're looking at it from an overhead view, a little bit like last year, but just a lot more room to more wiggle room last year, we definitely, um, filled that space and then some, um, but yeah, it's, it's something that we really, um, not all venues will uh, are are able Mm. to be laid out this way, but, um, you know, where a lot of the stages are accessed by going through the expo hall, uh, is something that we, we really like. And it, Early on, you guys both know, the expo hall was the lobbies yeah. of these conference centers and <laughs> hotels, uh, which is obviously great because that's where all the traffic is and yep. great for foot traffic and, and visitors to the booths. And while at our size, we're not able to completely replicate that, anytime we can lay things out uh, to to... Uh, replicate that as best we can. That's something we'll do. So yeah. Um, we think the, that expo hall is going to be um, you Slam. Know, traffic all day, every day. Yep. That's where you go for coffee. So that's always one, one way to get people in.
0: Yeah. I, I just looking at the booth layouts and the room layouts, I think it's, there's going to be a lot of this people cross trafficking and Of course, then you get there, then there is always the surprise of actually how the flow actually goes, and then you know if you've rolled the dice correctly or not in your booth position. You've got the right location, (laughs) right? That's always the battle every year. Especially when you go to a venue year after year, you know where the spot is. When you're going to a new new venue every year, it's the total crapshoot.
1: It's a crapshoot for the event organizers as well. Yeah. um, There's several (laughs) events we go to every year, such as like an NAB, uh, Social Media Marketing World in uh, San Diego. Several of those where they're at the same venue every year and, as an event organizer, just super envious of the ability to say, you know what, next year we want to sign there. Right. That would be a great place to have a directional sign or, you know, next year, if we just move the booths this way or or something that way, then it'll be great. And those, those minor tweaks to the event can all be, you know,
0: so maybe it's, maybe it's time to to pick a home and stay at a home.
1: Yeah. We, you know, we've, we've not ruled, we've not ruled that out. Um, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of factors in play. Um, yeah. And you know the, the hard part is being an event that that grows so far every year has been growing rather substantially is you know an, a venue that would have worked last year right couldn't work this year that's so, right um, you know event like NAB where you know they'll have a hundred thousand people <laughs> and they might grow by five thousand or shrink by five thousand right. but in the grand scheme of things that's not going to affect what
0: you know, right what layouts
1: and floor plans yep. they have. Um, for us, it's a little, that percentage of growth is a little more right now. Um, not a bad thing, not complaining about that, but just kind of, you know, planning roots somewhere. It might not be as long-term as, and, as we would want.
0: And you're probably going to see more attendees from the, you know, bottom part of the country. And you're probably not going to see as many from California and you may not see as many from New York, but if you move, you know, it, I am sure the dynamic changes and attendees just on where you're having the event. So I understand having to move. Um, Yeah.
1: And that's what I was mentioning about in Philadelphia last year, a lot more people just hopping on a train from some of the big East coast cities and coming down versus this year, Yeah, you know, more people from like, we're seeing a big uh, presence from the old, uh, how stuff works team, uh, stuff media team that was acquired by iHeart recently. They're based in Atlanta. So it's, you know, it's It's easy for them to send larger groups of people down. So, you know, that geographic, uh, accessibility is not just for you know, smaller podcasters with the larger networks. We're
0: seeing that effect as well. So just please don't go to two events a year. <laughs> He's smiling.
1: You know, yeah, we, you never know. Like, so what I can say is we'll never, um, what we'll never do is we've seen events that just do like copycat events, like an East coast and a West coast or yeah. it's just the same event, but two different ones. That's a business model that, you know, we've been pitched several times to just, you know, carbon copy it. Um, so that's something that we're, we're never interested in doing. Um, you know, in the past we've done spinoff events, we've done one day workshops, right, 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 day right, conferences, we did the, the week long cruise. Um, you know, so those were all, you know, multiple events a year. So, you know, while I think we definitely have the door open for, um, for additional events, it's not going to be, you know, Hey, let's just do two podcast movements and, and call it a day because I think that's not a, it's definitely not a
0: smart move. Rob, anything else?
2: We could talk about other stuff, too, if we wanted to.
0: Well, there's a little bit of news that's been going on in the space.
2: Right, right. Uh, I thought it was interesting, the, the announcement that um, AdsWiz is now supporting RAD.
0: I thought that was an interesting so announcement. It, it's an interesting announcement, but the question is, okay, you're supporting RAD for what?
2: Right, exactly. Yeah, what they what are, what they are ready to accept data, Todd.
0: F- okay, from who?
2: <laughs> That's the question,
0: right? Okay. Nothing except for one app. Right. right. Uh, okay. Uh I'm ready to accept rad data too. <laughs> really? It's not this isn't elementary <laughs> stuff. It's logging. It really is. It's not complicated. You just you, know, you turn on a server and you you point the URLs back towards the server and it goes right. in the log files. Right. 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 This is not right. complicated. Right. <laughs> Yet that's true. There's nothing pinging. And I guess the
2: Boxnest uh um report that came out still showing Spotify um growing internationally faster yeah. than Apple. Yeah. Any thoughts on that?
0: I think internationally makes sense.
2: I mean, is it
1: just a matter of Android phones being more popular internationally than it is in the U.S.? I mean, is that, isn't that going to be the big reason?
2: Yeah, I think that's the big um, big driver of it. Sure.
0: And, of course, Apple made the big flip this week. They turned off that's the old categories, categories yep. turned on the new categories. So I, I think some people were caught flat-footed. I'm surprised everyone wasn't ready. We were ready. You guys were ready, Rob. I, and then I heard there's a yeah. bunch of people trying to scramble to be ready next week. But
2: it, Well, you have to stay in touch with the Apple folks if you want to keep up with this. Because yeah. they did kind of hint around about it. But they they never really gave it you know, publicly any kind of an,
0: an advanced time frame for it. I'm going to tell you what so. this is going to do, though. Here's what how the effect is. You've got four hundred fifty, five hundred thousand 500,000 dead shows. Not being managed, not being looked at. All those shows that were in those lower categories have now been rolled up into the top level or redistributed just right. automatically. And right. now all these new subcategories are empty. So every show that gets, and it's, they're starting to display them. So you, right. you, as soon as you get your select your new category, you go into new subcategory. Guess what? It's, it's, there's some, there's some early adoption advantages here for some podcasters. So, um, if your, if your host is not ready, um, Spotify, uh, Spotify, a SoundCloud, they don't even have the old, they don't even have the Apple tags ready from two years ago. So those folks are screwed. Those folks are being all rolled up. Yeah. With no chance of going down.
2: Yeah, into a much larger category pool yeah. of, of shows, right? It's yeah. not gonna have you know, a lot of those shows are not gonna be in the subcategories.
0: So if your host isn't right. ready for the new categories, you need to be uh kicking the door in and saying, Hey, hey, right. hey, hey, hey. Right. So some sure. earlier early adopter advantages and this thing gonna last long, a month maybe, then the, the categories will be pretty populated, mm-hmm. but still mm-hmm. Unique shows are going to have some ability so, here to get a little more exposure.
2: It's a little bit of a land grab, yeah. What I call
0: it so. One hundred thirty thousand shows repositioning. Active mm-hmm. shows, one hundred fifty, maybe two hundred thousand active shows repositioning.
2: Yep, that is true.
0: What's Google going to do? Of course, it's they really question. don't have categories. Course,
2: they're not based on categories too much.
0: No, so
2: I'm sure they're doing the whole. Transcription stuff continues to just explode out there. I still keep getting contacted by startups out there that are doing the next, you know, AI, machine learning, transcription, you know, the latest and greatest transcription. So I guess the VC investors are still pumping money into AI and machine learning and and in uh, spoken word audio,
0: which is interesting. I mean,
2: how many players do we need doing transcription services?
0: Well, I know I know those emails <laughs> fill my inbox as well and there's really right. in my opinion two players out there that are doing it well and um the automated side the audio burst folks i'm real happy with and then on a paid side the uh, rev ai guys are pretty outstanding so
2: mm-hmm. yeah i heard from a new one just uh, i think it was deep something just you know it's a it's a new one that popped up um that's out there I also heard about an event that happened back in New Jersey this past week uh, called Voice. I don't know if you heard about that conference, Todd. But what is it called? Voice? It was the Voice Conference? I haven't back. heard of that. Um, I think the Audio Burst folks were a big sponsor of it. Mm. Yeah, that one's, um, that's one it that
1: ran like the week before Podcast Movement last year. So I guess that makes sense. It was in July last year, like Podcast Movement. Um, right. Yeah. And it's a little more like smart speaker type. Um, you know mm-hmm. tech companies yeah, stuff, exactly. but it's something like you know Amazon and Alexa and Google Home mm-hmm. and all that are you know big topics of discussion at that right. so um right. yeah it's uh I didn't hear a whole lot of it coming coming out of it this year but I, I know last yeah. year we were we were affected by it a little bit just having some speakers that would have
2: been at podcast movement that Oh you hit. did. Oh okay. Hey, interesting. One thing yeah, we, go ahead. Go ahead, Todd.
0: One thing we didn't ask Dan about was newbies. Mm. You are having right. your your pre you're having you're like you're still having that event the day before and helping the the new attendees
1: yeah so that's something that um it's just been overflowing last year we we had expanded to two so um to two sessions so it's the new attendee orientation which is basically um the idea with that one is anyone who hasn't been to the event before can be quite overwhelming to have ten different sessions going on at once and you know, 150 sessions overall and different, you know, networking things and the, the app and all of those. So the idea is just to kind of have people uh, that are new to the event or maybe just need a refresher, hadn't been back in a couple of years uh, to come to one of these orientations. And uh, first of all, just meet a bunch of new people. There'll be two or 300 people in the room that they'll be able to meet, um, but then have some, some veterans of podcast movement, uh, walk them through best practices, how to get the most out of podcast movement, where to go if you don't have anyone to eat with for lunch, how to find somebody to eat with, how to use the mobile app, um, all of those things. So that's usually a a packed room, and I think we'll have two packed rooms again this year. Um, And then something we did last year, which was pretty fun, it was just kind of spur of the moment, and we're doing it again this year. Um, It's called the New Podcaster Primer, is what we call it. And the whole idea behind this is it's not necessarily people that are just new to the event, but people that are brand new to podcasting overall that they don't even know the terms, right? People that, you know, Todd, you were saying they need, you know, pre one Oh one type sessions. Yeah.
0: Cut and paste Um, paste help
1: those to where, you know, you might not know what a host means. You Mm -hmm. might not know the difference between a web host and a media host and you as a podcast host that might, you know, all be, be foreign to you. You might not understand what any of that means. So kind of really back to the basics on podcasting so that at the very least normal um, what we consider like normal terms that people will just throw out in sessions that you might not understand those terms. Hopefully after you leave this two-hour primer, you'll at least feel a little more prepared for for what's about to come for the next three days.
0: Yeah, it's like uh, learning. Yeah.
2: And that's on Tuesday, August 13th at 9 a.m. It goes from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Yeah, the a.m. new attendee orientation,
1: right. there's one at nine, and then there's a the second one in the afternoon, I think at three. Um, mm, but then okay. the new podcaster primer is, uh, I think that's a one o'clock session. Right. Uh, so, um, so yeah, so, so Tuesday's become a really, um, you know, full day of what we consider optional type session. So the meat and potatoes of the event, uh, kicks off Wednesday. Um, that's what we consider day one. Um, that's where the expo hall opens. That's when the all the, the panels and sessions and keynotes and all of that start on Wednesday. Um, Tuesday is really kind of a slow ease into it. So that's the day that, you know, we have a bag pickup party where or a badge pickup party, where you come and pick up your lanyard and your badge and start meeting people. Uh, that's when the kickoff party is. And that's when some of those, those workshops are as well. So we have some partners like, like uh, a Weber and like Patreon running optional um, workshops that people, if they're, if they want to come into town early and supplement the full you know, podcast movement with some additional days, additional learning. Um, we've got partners that are running those workshops and a lot of those require pre-registration. They're not they uh You don't, you don't have to pay for them, but you have to sign up early because space is limited on those. So that's something that people have really come to enjoy is if, you know, the, the three days of the event isn't enough, then we've got a uh, one more day worth of workshops and stuff to to come to.
0: What day do you get in town, Rob? Uh, the 12th. Is that so. Monday? That's on Monday. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yep. So,
2: so yeah, I mean, it's great to have these, you know, these pre event kind of kind of things that, that you're doing too. I see that there's a couple of sessions that you guys are doing too on Tuesday as well. The, the state of Indie session. Yeah. So those um, are workshops too. Um, oh, they are workshops. Yeah. They're okay. workshops being put on, but
1: they're just, they're just um, formatting them a little more like uh, like sessions, but they're put on by a uh, lobe and lobe. It's a law firm that works with a lot of, podcasters. Um, Mm -hmm. they're, they're hosting two sessions. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, but I think we've had to draw the line because people, we started doing that as pre-con day.
0: Right. So started coming in the day before that
1: and they're saying, how about something on Monday? Oh. So like if we kept doing that every year when people
0: come in earlier and want something, we could end up, yeah,
1: uh, paying a lot of money to the hotel for those ballrooms for a lot more days. So, I do private
0: so meetings in, on that's Monday. That's
2: way that you can back into a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just slowly bleed into it. Yeah, exactly right. Right,
0: right. I, I do uh, private meetings on Monday because I don't do any private Private meetings during the show. So I do private meetings on Monday. Someone wants to meet private with me, they have to be there Monday. Yes. So,
1: yeah, that's something we've seen quite a bit more of too. And I guess it just makes sense with attracting more of the the larger companies to the event is we're definitely seeing a lot more people kind of host host meetings and small get-togethers yeah. and stuff around the event. Um, yeah. So. Try to keep, try to make sure everyone registers. That's always the difficult part is not getting unconferenced.
0: Oh others. yeah. You
1: know, only so much, only so much you can do to, to keep that.
0: Yeah. Cause some people are going to just hang out in their suite and have people come to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You yeah, see that a lot of up
2: for the unofficial meetups. Yeah. So, so. that's uh, those
1: have started to pour in. So, um, you know, actually Wednesday night of the event from seven till nine, we've, we're kind of calling that meetup time where it's, it's open. There's nothing on the schedule. Um, where uh, yeah, anyone that wants to host, and actually it's more like five to five to nine. So there's some some private happy hours and stuff happening, but um, for the most part, it's an open spot on the schedule that you know we try to encourage people to not program their meetups and stuff opposite any of our official parties. Um, you know, but right. the trade-off is if we're encouraging them not to schedule anything during those parties and we have to give a, a preferred time to do it. So Wednesday nights where, um, yeah, we're encouraging a lot of
0: people to kind of hang out and set out on their own and put their own meetups or, or group gatherings together. Well, I'll tell you this, Todd, Rob, and probably the other Rob and probably some other folks will be hanging out no matter what, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, after, <laughs> post, pre and after for, uh, and having oh, yeah. drinks. So we'll find some bar to hole up in.
2: It's all, it's all in for those days, that's for sure. That's right, holding court.
0: I, I call it holding court. I don't know why I call it that, but it's like holding court because we court's in, session's in, talking smack and having fun. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's, where it's the,
2: one thing after another all day long. It is. Yeah.
0: And as long as we don't have any 3 o'clock in the morning events, let's not do 3 a.m. again. So
2: does this, uh, this – this resort have a really nice kind of bar, um, set up that, uh, has lots of room for everybody. Yeah, to I'll together. say
1: it's more like, it's more like kind of several bars kind of in a little, a little cluster. Um, yeah, it's not one, it's, it's a couple like themed bars. I would call it right. kind of all in a cluster. Reminds me a little bit, I guess this is how resort hotels are of like a cruise ship or something like that, where mm-hmm. it's like, uh, okay. you know, there's not necessarily one main bar, but there's several bars that people kind of, you know, can, can float between them. So. Um, yeah, because it'll definitely be a good scene for people to, that are just there yeah. to hang out and, and
2: see people that they know and meet new people. Right. As Todd and I will attest, we, you know, in prior events and things like that, we spend a lot of time in the bar. A lot. Just hanging out with people <laughs> yeah. right, that we haven't, you know, that we don't normally see that often.
0: Talk right. story and find out what's new, find out all the secrets. Yeah, and That's the
1: big reason why we're just so hesitant to move to any venue other than a hotel, just yeah. because that, that's so, you know, you, you lose it. Of a, of, a, of a time to be able to just.
0: Yeah. You go to Vegas, that evaporates. Right. Yeah. Right.
2: You know, yeah. I mean the, the, the Apple team will come in and hang out in the bar with yeah. us and folks
0: from Google and the folks
2: from, you know, a lot of these big companies. So say so a lot of record a lot of stuff. If you're a podcaster, it's 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 the place to go to to really catch up with um, you know, a,
0: a lot of the people in the industry. Just listen so, and a lot of secrets will come out. <laughs> <laughs> Especially more more alcohol is being drunk. Right. Right. Uh, and exactly. challenges and stuff. Well
2: well Dan, thanks for joining yeah, us. Yeah, thank you. That's yeah, thanks having. for uh for having me on. I remember last year we
1: did it on like the Thursday before podcast movement. We right. did a special edition, so I'm I'm happy to be able to fit more <laughs> into the, the regular schedule this year. Um but yeah, I appreciate right. you guys having having me on every year and uh, excited to see you guys in a few weeks.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be great. Can't wait. It's like the uh, it's like the homecoming event. You know, it's right. it really is. It's a podcast homecoming event, year fifteen. Well,
2: yeah, it's the perfect scenario because nobody wants to. Nobody's going to want to go outside, so everybody's going to stay in the
0: hotel. That's all right. Time, so I know. It's like, uh, yeah, that's
1: what we've done. You get you get the hottest <laughs> place in in the country, and you pick it where no one wants to go outside, and then you just like lock them into to hang out we, with
0: each other. We just keep days. watching the hurricane trackers right. and make sure nothing exactly. nothing's coming that way too.
2: <laughs> well, and and it was kind of that way up in Philadelphia too. Because remember the it was hot one night. It was like the the big rainstorm hit, and everybody was you know, everybody was trying to go to dinners and stuff. And well, you know, know, ultimately like people will
1: say, Oh, you picked Orlando in August. But at the end of the day, like most of the country in August is just going to be that way. And there's, you know, there's different levels of humidity and different levels of hot. But at the end of the day, you know, we've been in Chicago and we've been in Philly and we've been, you know, in several other places. And, you know, other than Anaheim at night, Anaheim at night was, uh, was an awesome weather experience, but for the most part, yeah. August is just going to be hot as hot. Honolulu works too. Great,
0: great uh, weather. <laughs> yeah, that might be, have to be one
1: of
2: those spinoff events. Yeah. That's, uh, that I, our target number is a little lower.
0: I don't live there anymore, so you don't have to come there anymore. <laughs>
2: I know, Todd, are you, you going to want to want an event in Detroit or something like that, right?
0: Uh, no, I'm building oh, a facility okay. right here. <laughs> okay, it's right, right behind a, me. A hotel venue on your property there? Uh right? No. But
1: uh. I'll tell you what we were. Uh, so we we oh. had been hired to produce these PodFront events that have been happening around, and then two weeks ago was the Detroit one, uh, and it was it was an awesome experience to get up to a part of the country that um you know a lot of podcast things just don't get to yeah. And that event was you know geared towards ad buyers and ad agencies, um, so it's not necessarily like an independent podcaster type gathering, but um just the 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 hunger for things to happen in places outside your normal, you know, big cities on the coast. Uh, it, it was, it was really big there. And we, we felt a lot of excitement for podcasting overall at that event.
0: How do we get an invite to that?
1: Yeah. So that's, it's, it's similar to the upfronts for IAB, games,
0: oh. so, you
1: know, it's for the, uh, um, yeah, a little bit, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, anyone on video. Yeah, saw it. Um, but yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of that, but, but, you know, ultimately it's, it's the whole goal of those upfronts is to get ad buyers and ad agencies excited for podcasting and investing in podcasting. Oh. So, you know, at the end of the day, the trickle down effect of that right. is good for everyone. Right.
2: So is there any kind of opportunity, at those events to do like, like little, little professional sessions with those folks to educate them a little bit?
1: Yeah, there, there might be, um, you yeah. know, from our standpoint, we're just kind of brought in just from the, the event production more than any kind of decision-making standpoint. Right. Um, but you know, they, they've done two now we've helped them produce two of them now and there, there's a couple more coming up. So, um, you know, I think if, if the, if the desire and need is there for that kind of thing, then I think they'll, the, uh, the organizing teams will be open to it.
0: Yeah. I've talked to some groups lately about that and I'm like, listen, there's no need, you know, I don't, we don't have talent. We don't have a talent pool. You know, we're not a, we're not a Gimlet or a Penapoli. Right. We don't. Yeah. And, uh, you know, how do I get involved? And is there an education piece? And if there is, then, you know, that's where I think we could fit in. But other than that, um, mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time in New York. My fact, I'd be in New York Tuesday educating. So it's, it's crazy. But
2: so is it the the goal of the event to to pitch shows up on stage or something like that? Is that the goal or is it yeah, just I mean, a the networking traditional event? upfront
1: model? Is the traditional mm-hmm. upfront model in like television and stuff is to pitch specific shows right. to ad buyers and get them excited to buy right. ads on those shows? Um, these are a little bit more just you know the networks pitching the entire roster of shows, uh, but more so like the Detroit one I think was really more geared towards just getting them excited, ad bu- them being ad buyers. Uh, excited for for podcasting as a, as a medium overall. Oh. Um, kind of a okay. you know the, it's there's there's certain Auto industry being the biggest obviously, but there's there's a number of agencies and and uh, companies headquartered up there in Detroit and you know other parts of the Midwest uh, that were represented there that um, aren't spending money in podcasting and and you know probably should be and, and they had- especially like the auto industry being a huge example that they spend so much money. You turn on the evening news and there's um, nothing but car commercials, but then you right. know, on podcasting, it's it's very few and far between, and and you know, I think the the feeling is those are the type of ad buyers that that we want to come in that'll cause that next wave of of interest mm-hmm. and influx of, mm-hmm. of money into the industry. Yep. So I think from that standpoint, uh, the pod front in Detroit a few weeks ago was really just to get those ad buyers and those agencies excited about the medium and and at some some level educate them about the medium itself because I think right. there's um, you know still some level of from from that side of things confusion about. What a podcast is, or why it's right. it's worthy of putting their money into.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, because we. I mean, I talk to to brands out there, small companies. I mean, companies that are wanting to get involved in digital advertising, right? And podcasting is certainly becoming more and more part of that. That um, don't really understand how to buy or how it works or. You know what type of shows are out there. What are the genres? What, what do we need to match up their brand with the various uh, podcasts out there to get campaigns put together? So, I think that there's and you know, like I started up a Facebook group called Better Podcast Ads, um, just as a as kind of like a a place to have a conversation about how we can improve podcast advertising because I think we do have this issue around programmatic and radio ads being funneled into the podcast medium that is not ideal, uh, for the health and growth of the medium. So, uh, you know, who's, so who's the backer of these upfronts that you're working with, or can you say, uh, it's
1: it, the networks that are, that are presenting. It's a, it's a group of the networks that, oh. you know, bound, okay. banded together to say like, Hey, we, we think there's this need for, you know, okay. yeah. Integrating, the space into and you know there's IAB up front in New York right um, and the idea was to bring that same concept to other parts of the country um where there's agencies and ad buyers and stuff just to again get them educated and excited about the medium so um you know those networks those bigger networks banding together to you know raise the the tide for everyone so to
2: speak Hmm. yep those bigger networks are banding together huh interesting (laughs) There's 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 friendliness and teamwork in the industry. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I I think it's a sign of uh, of like we've talked about all of us here. We have talked about maybe there is a need for some sort of organization in the podcasting space. Uh, you know, something I've been talking about for months now. But um, it, as you're starting to see the industry expand and develop and grow and become much more of an economic um, um, force out there, I think there's, there is some benefit in driving some consensus across um, groups. So anyway,
0: gentlemen, we are officially (coughs) long. Yeah. So (laughs) Dan, thanks for your time. We definitely appreciate it. How can they reach you?
1: Uh, You can email me dan at podcastmovement.com. And if you're on the fence about coming to the event and there's, there's something stopping you just shoot me an email and we'd love to figure out a way to get you out
0: there. And if you're not going, you need to ask yourself why. It is uh, It is the We're event. The calendar for next year. That's right. All right. You can reach me, Todd, at Blueberry.com or at geeknews is my Twitter account. Rob? Um, I'm on Twitter as well,
2: at Rob dot uh, com, And I can be reached at uh, Rob G
0: at Lipson.com. It's uh, been fun doing it. We'll be back with you next Saturday for another edition of the New Media Show. Everyone take care. We'll see you next time. Thanks for being here. Stay subscribed. And if you're not subscribed, hit that subscribe button on NewMediaShow.com. Take care.